I know it's kind of a, a bad thing to do to you to give you a, a new song right at the end of that set that you don't know. But if you get my emails, then you do know because uh, I sent it out, I think. Or somebody did. Does my heart good to see you sitting in your cohort families. And You know, I was thinking this morning, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking this morning of Paul and Silas at midnight in prison. Can you imagine the nerve it would take to sing in, at midnight in a prison with your back cut open? But you know, they sang because they needed to tap into the supernatural because you're not just singing for you, you're singing for the prisoners beside you. And you're singing for the prisoners that live on your block. And you're singing for the prisoners trapped in fear and trapped in pain and trapped in sin. And uh, the word of God says that if we would be silent, the rocks would cry out and I'm not getting to heaven with a rock sitting in my chair. There are these times when we do need to obey God. There are these times when we do need to lift up a song of worship. This uh, series I'm, I'm preaching is called Supernatural and it is going to be just what the doctor ordered. It is going to be just what the doctor ordered in your life and in my life. If we tap into the supernatural, anything is possible because God can heal any marriage and God can fix any, God can forgive any sin, God can heal any disease, God can do it all. And uh, I have a friend of mine in the church, uh, where's, where's Paul? He's making, he's making coffee, good. Paul's making, Paul's a doctor and sometimes, sometimes when he wants to do something at home, he says, or he's doing something he enjoys, he says to his wife, this is just what the me ordered. Do you get that? Because he's a doctor, that's why. Don't explain the joke. This is just what the me ordered. There's something about God. You know his name means Jehovah Rapha. That is who he is. That is a part of his nature. And this series is going to be just what the doctor ordered. First Wednesday and Wednesday at 7 o'clock is going to be just what the doctor ordered. In your life and in my life, when we worship and lift up the name of Jesus, right here at 7 o'clock, we worship and lift up Jesus' name, and we make intercession for the city. Uh, there's going to be a teaching moment um, by, uh, by um, a friend of ours in, in arc circles called Sean Nepstad. He's a pastor. He's got a sermon called Don't Quit in the Dip. Anybody in a dip? Don't quit in the dip. If you're going through the valley of the shadow of death in your life, keep going. Don't stop. Got to keep going. The sermon I've called um, Simon Peter because we're studying the life of Simon Peter. Simon Peter Parker is the name of this sermon. 40% of people know who Spider-Man is, and the rest of you guys live under a rock or something. Simon Peter Parker. We're going to be studying the life of Simon Peter before and after the Holy Spirit. Here's a man who lived with Christ, ate with Christ for three years, and there was some deep something inside of him that he didn't have. And... and um, I think that we have to understand that, that if we want to tap into the supernatural, you have to do just what the doctor ordered. And if Jesus is ultimately the doctor and his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us, then you actually have to do what the doctor ordered. There's another thing that my friend Paul says sometimes, and that Candace told me, sometimes I ask him, because Paul is a seven on the Enneagram. Do we have any sevens on the Enneagram? You don't know that that's your number. You're the party animals. You're the people that get bodies in a building and make them excited, you know? I had a friend who was a seven when I was a kid on the, on the Enneagram. It's a personality test. And he had us, we were watching Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he had us running around the house singing and dancing. And finally I stopped myself and I'm like, I don't even know who Indiana Jones is. <laughs> That's a seven on the Enneagram. And, and Paul, I think, is a seven. And, and Candace will say to, say to Paul, 
what are you doing right now? And he says, whatever I want. <laughs> this is just what the me ordered, whatever I want. I think that God wants to do something in your life today. And I want to, I want, I think that God is going to do something that may not be according to how you've experienced Christ in the past, or even if you're far from Christ, God wants to do something new in your life in this series. And he's going to do it just because he wants to. Um, we're going to be studying before Peter was a super. So Simon Peter Parker, before he was bitten by a radioactive spider called the Holy Ghost. Am I allowed to say that in church? I don't know. I feel like, but this is my church, so I guess I'm allowed to say that. Before he was bitten by the radioactive spider called the Holy Ghost, how a very ordinary and even less than extraordinary person, uh, a less than ordinary person was turned into something extraordinary. Anybody feeling ordinary right now? This is what's happening right now in our lives right now. We are, our tanks are, are empty. We're tired. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to think. We don't, we're exhausted as a nation. We are exhausted. This has been like a long siege for us. And what's happening is the Holy Spirit is carefully preparing a vacuum, carefully preparing a vacuum. This sermon is going to be preparing a vacuum for the rest of the series. So I'm, it's going to be a cliffhanger and I hate cliffhangers because I just want you to get it all. The Holy Spirit's like, preach a cliffhanger. Get, just get him ready for it because he's creating a vacuum that only he can fill. So sometimes we look at all of this and we're like, oh, but God is, God is not controlling any of this. What if God can take anything that's happening in the world and have his way somehow? Why? Because he, he can, because he wants to. He can do anything that he wants to do. Come on, Venue Church, help me preach. Um, sometimes we think that God saved us because we're very smart. Sometimes you think you got married because you're very smart and good looking. But here's what, guys, gentlemen. She married you because she feels sorry for you. You don't come to Jesus because you're amazing. You come because he's amazing. And what he does in your life, you can't do. I, I find it funny that God uses any of us, you know, but we're humans. We go from these moments of like, of like, hey, we get a little win. And then 10 minutes later, we do the world's dumbest thing of all time. And then within 10 minutes, we're back to being amazing. You know, my life is, is one crushing defeat after another, followed by moments of glory, you know, um, I find it funny that God uses any of us. I find it funny that I'm, I'm a pastor. I find that extremely funny. I think that God finds it extremely funny and be like, Pastor, no, I was just messing around with everybody. <laughs> I grew up with a lot of kids that should have been pastors, I think. And the angels of God are like trotting them out to the job interview, you know, like, here, Jesus, like this one looks like he could be a good pastor. And look at this one, he, he'd be a good pastor. And Jesus is like, I want that one. And they're like, whoa, no, not this one. There's like 15 of us just on full-time detail so he doesn't kill himself. <laughs> Riding his bike over jumps and doing stupid stuff. God does what he wants. This is, he has a sen sense of humor. This... That kid? That guy who's persecuting the church? Just, Jesus sometimes just saves people just because he can. Paul, the apostle? Yeah, I'm going to make him an apostle. He's going to write half the New Testament because I want to. You don't understand. He's throwing us in jail. Oh, no, I understand. Thanks, John. Um, one time I did something really embarrassing. You know, I think there's, everybody has one embarrassing moment that you never want to tell anybody like me because I'll bring it up in a sermon. Um, <laughs> we have one embarrassing moment. You know, you should be well aware of the, the limitations of your flesh. We should be, but we're not. We're so proud as a people. And I had this one embarrassing moment as a child. I think I was in, in grade two, maybe, or something like that. And we lived in Los Angeles in Pasadena, California. My mom is sitting right here. She can corroborate the story. And um, <laughs> why it's in a super embarrassing story. It's probably the worst moment of my life. In grade two, and um, yeah, I'm going to tell the story. And then, 
So we had a family coming over for dinner, and they had two sisters. One was Charmaine, and one was Crystal. And I had a crush on, on, on this girl named Crystal. And so, um, you know, like what a grade two boy crush looks like? It's like, I'm going to make a snowball and knock her teeth out with it. And she will know that I love her. <laughs> Guys need romantical training, everybody. And we will be wed. So my mom is like, you guys stink. Get in your room, you're young boys. Get in your room and change your clothes, man. Oh, you guys smell. Get in your room and change your clothes. Now, here's the, the layout of the house. So there's the front entry that looks over, over where their car was just pulling up. And, and my room was right beside it. So like door, front entry. So door of my bedroom, front entry. And so we look through the blinds, you know, uh, as we're stripping down and, and changing our clothes. We look through the blinds. And we see the car pull up and they're getting out of the car. Now, this is not a big yard, okay? This is not like a long driveway. So they had like maybe 30 seconds to situate themselves from the car and into the house here. And in that time, my brother, because he was cruel and my parents didn't know the real story about him. <laughs> he was my little brother. He probably called me fat or something hurtful. And because older brothers are the way that they are, I, I did my best to... Sometimes you have to lay hands on... And, and uh, pray or cast the devil out of people. Sometimes that's just, and as an older brother, I just didn't want the devil to be in my brother, you know, and so I just did the best. And I'm, I'm reaching out to get a hold of him to, you know, improvise. And he, he bolts out the door, and he bolts out the door right into the entryway where now Charmaine and Crystal are standing, staring at the door that just opened. And he bolts out, and I bolt out after, but he had a, a major advantage in that he was wearing clothes, and I was wearing absolutely nothing. Not even a pair of socks. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Now, this is, this is before kids had rights. This was before stress days, where you were, like, allowed to stay home because you were stressed out. I got thinking about that one day. I'm like, what days would I work if I had stress days? I wonder about that. Anyways, just... that means there was no staying in my room all night. I actually had to get out of my room and sit at the dinner table with these people. That's an icebreaker. Like, that's a conversation right there. It's like, I like your shirt. <laughs> I'm glad that you decided to wear pants now. Things that scar you as a child. Things that should tell you that your flesh does, has uh, natural limitations. And you're only going to go so far in your lifetime. And, and you are capable of, of uh, hilarious things that are not hilarious in the moment. Um, I think that this, this last seven months, if I could say in our nation and in your life, I think it would be true that there has been this a sense of captivity, this sense of deep um, longing for something supernatural, something transcendent, something above us. I think that we are being made, you know, the more comfortable society is, the less we think about the transcendent, the less we think that we need the supernatural working of God and society and in our homes and in our marriages and in our finances and with our children. And I think that this is just letting us know deeper and deeper every day, like, hey, we need something more. Yeah. Um, see, it has to do with where you live your life. So the human is uh, uh, three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. So the body is pretty evident. It's your flesh that the Bible would talk about. Um, your body, it's, it's not going to be here forever. If, when we go to heaven, if you go to heaven, you're going to get another body. So your body is not eternal. It has a beginning and an end. Um, but your body is kind of the seat of the flesh and, and your carnality. Um, even Paul the Apostle is like, I do what I hate. 
I hate that I'm doing this and I do it. I mean, anybody feel like that some days? Like, I don't even, I can't even seem to stop lying and I can't stop looking at this thing and, and I do what I don't want to do and there, there's a struggle there, you know? The solution for your body and the flesh, the Bible would say, is like, hey, you got to live with this thing, you got to discipline it. It's got to go on a cross, you know? It's got to go on a cross and then it's got to go in, a, in, a, in the grave and stay there, you know? Anybody love exercising your body? Yeah, it's like putting your body on a cross and being like, you're not going to like this, but you've been eating. Two, I ate 10 of those little chocolate bars last night at Halloween, and I should have had two, and I ate 10 because I finished what I start. <laughs> yeah, well, now I'm like, now I've got to work out, to, you know. And so, so your body, um, but there's a baptism for your body when you come to Christ, right? You get baptized and put under in water, and it's symbolic of going down into the grave and stinger. So there's a baptism there. Now, there's not much problem with your spirit. There are very few issues with your spirit, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit. But, you know, when Adam and Eve died, sin killed something, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Well, what's he talking about? Like something is still born inside of me? Yes, it's your spirit. So we took on a sin nature and gave up the spirit nature. Now, the Word of God says, if you worship God, you must come in spirit and in truth. That's the connection, is spirit. Does this make sense? Your spirit always wants to connect with God. There, there was something, you know, even before you could sense, before you came to Christ, like you'd listen to a song and you'd be like, there's something more. There's something, you're, there's a vacuum. You're trying to connect and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and creates a well of, of water, this idea of baptism, a wellspring of water springing up to eternal life for you. That's what connects with God. So you don't have any problems with your spirit, but uh, you have many problems with your flesh. Now think about your soul. Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. This is where we make choices. Your soul is like a mixing valve. I said this to the first service, but I'm not sure that they were plumbers or understood what this meant. So it's like a mixing valve that sits between the two. Now, now, now imagine you have a line coming from the spirit that's hot and loves Jesus and wants to do right in the world and, you know, tells the truth and you have this hot line coming in, but then you have this really cold line coming in called your flesh. It's always like raining on the parade, always on a good day. And then you go do something dumb, you know, or you say something to your wife that you shouldn't. And, and so you have this mixing valve in the middle called your soul, my mind, my thinking, my emotions, and my will, my decisions. And it's mixing between the two of these things. So the needle's kind of going back and forth sometimes. When we go in the spirit's way, we do well. When we go in the flesh or anything over here, it starts getting lukewarm. The Bible says, like, I don't want you to be lukewarm. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah, I'm living in the flesh. That's why. No, you're not. A, no. You're just being an idiot. But if that needle goes too far over in this direction, it starts getting colder and colder and colder. And your heart starts getting colder. And you start getting further and further from Christ. We're going to study Simon Peter's life today. Um, three or four circumstances where he, he kept getting things wrong. But then he'd have one good moment. And then he'd have a bad moment. Which I think describes our lives right now. Like one day emotionally you can be okay. And then the next you're like, oh my goodness. And, and then you start spinning out all the cases. All the, the ways you can get coronavirus. And all the, and all the, and all the, and you, and you live in fear. And you're not beating it, and you're not living on top of life. You know what I mean? You're living underneath it, and the devil is suggesting things to you, and you're freaking out, and, you're, and you forget that God is God, and the needle's just going in the wrong direction. Am I the only one here? Well, somebody got to amen me, or I'll get down there and amen myself. There is a baptism for your soul called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, salvation had to stand apart. Salvation is, there's nothing you do for salvation other than like one big SOS. Like, oh dear Jesus, my sin. Help. Yes, you are Lord. Yes. Take it all. That's all you can do. I mean, salvation has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with a free gift from God. 
But if you want anything else in that life of the spirit, you got to fight for every other inch. And there's something else in your soul that the mixing valve is just constantly mixing back and forth and you're not getting the results that you want. Just like Simon Peter wasn't. And I'm going to just create a vacuum in the sermon and we're going to look at Simon Peter's life and we're going to see how deeply we need a touch of the transcendent, a touch of the supernatural. What if you could live your entire life in it? What if you could live your entire life in it and quit getting bogged down in the flesh so much? Well, Jesus had a plan. Now the devil, um, listen... I think about this here. If the devil can't keep you from being saved, he'll keep you from being super. You think about it. If you give your life to Christ and the devil loses one of you, well, he's still got a few more. So if he loses one of you, yeah, that hurts. He he just wants to, to hurt you. And he hates that anybody would be born into the family of God. He hates anybody who would find eternal life in Christ. But if he can't stop that, what he'll do is he'll, he'll hand you an acoustic guitar when the Holy Spirit wanted to hand you an electric guitar. I got not, nothing against anybody playing electric guitars or acoustic guitars. I have both, but I'm telling you what, when you turn an acoustic guitar up, everything sounds awesome. Electric. Did I say acoustic? How can I? See, I was supposed to get like a crowd response and everybody's like, does he know what he's saying? Did he practice this ahead of time? Thanks for correcting me in front of everybody. Here. Pastor Aaron. <laughs> if he can't keep you from being saved, he'll keep you from the electric guitar. Is that good? <laughs> what he'll do is he'll, he doesn't mind if you go to church as long as the needle is jammed in the flesh. As long as you worship in the flesh and try to live according to the flesh, he doesn't really care all that much because you're never going to affect the Great Commission. You're never going to have the power of the supernatural. You're never going to go and reach 10 more like you and teach them how to reach 10 more like you, you can't do it because salvation was stood apart, but the Great Commission, you needed something else that Jesus himself, as the series goes on, I'm going to show you theologically what you are missing. And the, look, whatever you've experienced of the Holy Spirit in the past, even if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit in the, pa- in the past, tomorrow, there's more. Next week, there's more. You cannot. It drives me crazy when... when it drives me crazy when Christians who have not experienced the supernatural and the power of the Holy Ghost try to tell me what it's not like. It's like before, before they get saved, telling me that Jesus isn't real. Don't tell me he's not real. I met him. He changed everything. Are you cra- What are you talking? You don't even know what you're talking about. Well, then somebody will come and, and be like, well, you know, I haven't experienced that, so it can't be real. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't tasted coconut ice cream, you don't know what you don't know. If I was the devil, I would, I, would, I would let you get to the car show, and I would pump your tires up for you, and I'd make sure you had the prettiest car out there, but I'd keep you off the racetrack. I'd make sure you had the best suit of armor, and you looked great in front of the mirror, but I'd make sure you wouldn't go out to war. Yeah. This sermon series is going to be how to tap into the supernatural, how to get you on the battlefield, and get everything that God wants to get into your life. Simon Peter, before and after the Holy Ghost. Are you ready? Luke chapter 5. One, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee... Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. You know what I need to say right now? I just feel like the Holy Spirit's reminding me of something. Back in the early church, three things happened. All at the same time or or at the most within days of each other. There was salvation. There was baptism in water. And there was baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they all happened. Do you know what the devil did? He just added time. He just added time. That's why I hear always, I'm not ready to get baptized. 
I'm like, yeah, I know. But a month's not going to change that. Ten years is not going to change that. It's like, let's get cleaned up and then get in the shower. No, that's what baptism is. It's like a bath. Are we getting there? Right. And so it's like, no, 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 no. Obedience. 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 You're trying to figure out the result. Why don't you just do the obedient thing? And it was like, no, come to Christ and then like get baptized in water and then get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Jesus was like, don't even leave Jerusalem until this happens because the devil will wipe you out. What? Yeah. Oh, that's good preaching, pastor. That's good preaching. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Now, this is how Peter meets him, or Simon at the time, and before Jesus changes his name, and we'll read about that too. It says, he noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, his owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Now, if you're just coming to Christ, or here's what I, I would say. If you've been living in your flesh during this whole COVID nastiness, you've been living in your flesh and you have not been living in the spirit. Meaning you've been so worried about your own skin. If you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, can I say, did you forget the part about heaven? About death being beaten? Did you forget the part about that? About the resurrected Savior? Did we forget about that? We're so worried about our own skins, we forgot about our neighbors. We forgot, like, whoa, no, 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 no. Sometimes in jail, we got to be like the ones with stripes on our back singing a little bit of praise because if we don't have the supernatural, they're not going to get free either. Now go out where it is deeper, and this is how you come to meet Christ, where he's like, Peter, this is what you know. You got to go where it's deeper, where you can't swim and can't touch the ground anymore. If you meet Jesus, you got to go out where the water is so deep that you can't swim. You just got to let it take you where it wants to take you. Remember, Jesus is the doctor. It's just what the doctor ordered. And he also does whatever he wants. <laughs> Master Simon replied, listen, this, uh, describe your life last week. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. We're professional fishermen. We couldn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. Soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Wouldn't that be a nice problem to have right now? I had so much money in my bank account, man. I just, I just paid everybody's mortgage. Anybody? Like, <laughs> no, I'm just like, just checking at the box office. That'd be great. Um, when Simon Peter realized this, when you first touch holiness and the holy God, he, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. He's so acutely aware of his shortcomings. When you come to Christ, you're like, oh, you don't want to be around somebody like me. But because the pride of the human race is so deep, you can have, know how sinful you are one moment, and then, and then we're going to find out another moment where he did quite well, and then how he goes right back, and the, the needle just keeps swinging back and forth and swinging back and forth because, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. As soon as they landed, it says they left everything and followed Jesus. Matthew 16, when Jesus came uh, to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, yeah, I don't care what your grandma thinks. Uh, what do you say? Who do you say that I am? <laughs> some of you think you're going to heaven because your grandma went to church. That's a relationship. That's not how relationships work. I feel like I need to... That's not how relationships work. You have to have your own relationship. Simon Peter answered, watch this. In a, in a moment when the needle was in the spirit, watch what he says. He says, he's the only one who got this right. And he's so competitive. He liked that. <laughs> he says, 
He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Remember, spirit to spirit. You did not learn this from any human being. Flesh can't tell you this. Flesh can't tell you the revelation of who Jesus is and what he can do in your circumstance right now. You're looking at circumstance and it'll be like, well, you can only do this and this is how this works. And Jesus is like, dip in the Jordan River seven times and I'll heal your leprosy. And Naaman's like, that water's dirty and I don't like that. Why don't I go to this other river? And Jesus is like, I do what I want. <laughs> Did you want the healing or not? Okay. And Jesus is like, oh my goodness, you got it right. Great job. Great job. And then he says, now I say that you are Peter. And this is where we start sliding. He goes, now he changes his name, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And Peter's like, me? Yeah. That's not what he meant though, I think. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. See, when you're, and all of a sudden the needle jams back in, in the flesh, and then all of your prayers become about you again. Yeah. Dear God, make me. And God's like, I want to, can you ask for humility? And you're like, great. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, and he's like, upon this rock, he just named me Peter. You're going to build the church on me. <laughs> and Jesus is like, what? No, I think it means upon the rock. I think theologically is like a lot. That just means like what we believe about God. That means like the rock of the revelation based on the spirit of who Jesus is. Now, nothing to do with Peter. <laughs> um, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples. Now, two verses later. This is your life and my life this week, man. Anyways, then on, he, he began to tell his disciples about the cross, how he would be killed. Verse 21, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter... Uh, in the flesh took him aside like you do sometimes to the son of the morning and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Well, you think, oh, I would never do that. Yeah, you do. Absolutely you do. Heaven forbid, Lord. He knows how to sound like church. This will never happen to you. So Jesus just told them, hey, this is the reason that I came. This is the most crucial point in human history before or after i'm going to use this moment to save those who followed me in faith before and i'll use this moment to save everybody after this is it for the human race this salvation this cross this resurrection and peter pulls him aside and says why because his flesh doesn't like the idea of a cross but a cross is the only solution for the flesh he pulls him aside and starts reprimanding him heaven forbid lord and jesus is like i am heaven yeah. <laughs> don't tell me what i forbid don't tell me how to do it don't tell me, I don't need help. He turns to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human, a fleshly point of view, not from God's. So he's saying, Simon, you keep doing this. Why does Jesus let him keep failing? Why does he let you keep failing? You have to get to this place where you're like, I can't actually do this. Christians come and we're like, you know, you get saved by grace and you act like your life is super hard. Well, what was it like before you got saved? Well, it's hard because you're living it in the flesh. You're trying to do everything in your own strength. Matthew 26, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. This is at the, at the, the last supper, the night that he's betrayed. He says, tonight you'll all desert me. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He's not asking for opinions. He's just telling them what they're going to do. But after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And then Simon, because he doesn't listen. Anybody else spend the time that somebody else is talking, thinking about what you're going to say next? I'm so good at that. Then I have to ask my daughter 18 times what she already said to me. 
What time is that thing again? <laughs> Dad doesn't listen. He says, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. This was supposed to bring hope to Peter because um, Jesus knew what was coming next. But Peter, he's just so, so um, proud and just so insecure that he, he declares, even if every one of these other idiot disciples deserts you, I will never desert you because I just want to be better than they are. And Jesus is like, oh my goodness, y'all are going to desert me. And he gave him a plan. Uh, it says in verse 34, I tell you, Peter, Jesus said, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny it three times that you even know me. No, he insisted, even if I have to die with you. I will never deny you, and all the other disciples vowed the same. What's happening right now? It's just like a lesson in failure. Just boom, boom, boom. You just get, it's almost like you're being set up for it. Yeah, you're going to deny me. And then they say like, no, we won't. And then it makes the, the failure much worse. And then they go to the garden, and Jesus is like, you know, they just said like, hey, well, I'll die for you, Jesus. And he's like, okay, I need three of you to come. Can you guys just stay awake? <laughs> let's just start there let's just build a little win you know like can you guys just stay awake i know that you guys had a little too much wine and you're all sleepy and turkey hangover right now but you guys like can you just stay awake and he jesus is over and he's like sweating like great drops of blood in anguish of his soul in like the worst night of jesus life and his boys are all like sound asleep all you know cuddled up with each other for warmth three times he comes back and he's like guys for reals like first of all ooh, separate <laughs> girls can like Cuddle for warmth. Guys, don't do it. It's just gross. <laughs> but he comes like three times. This happens. And then he's like, well, fine. I'll do this myself. I guess I'll just save everybody myself because I can. And he's like, okay, my betrayer is at hand. Judas comes. Um, I mean, the, the whole thing is just one, one nasty failure for Peter after another. And uh, the high priest, uh, you know, one of his servants comes and Peter like freaks out and grabs. He's got a sword. Okay. If you've got a little Peter, Simon Peter, in your house, do not give him a sword. Oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> give him one of those, like, little rubber baseball bats or just something that can't do a lot of damage. He grabs a sword, and he chops off this high priest's ear. And then Jesus is like, <sighs> he says, Simon, and he takes the guy's ear and puts it back on. You've got to read the Bible. He puts the ear back on, and he's like, it's okay, sorry. He's just, a, he's having a bad night. What's it all? You know, he's like, I'm going to save you myself. And he's like, Peter, like, do you not think that I could just call and have legions of angels? Like, there's a, an account in the Old Testament where one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians, like nasty enemy soldiers, in one night. One of them did. Yeah. He's like, I got, like, legions of these guys. But, but Peter, you're missing the point. Yeah. There's a spirit thing happening here. I, I need to, the cross has to, you got to feel it. You got to feel how short you're going to come here. He goes, I got to do everything that God wants me to do right now. And he, he heals the, the priest here. Peter's already feeling like garbage. Everybody's feeling like garbage. It says that one of the men, they, they grabbed his cloak and he ran off naked because that's all that he was wearing. Yeah. Let's make that one a pastor. That's what we're going to do. I mean, it's just embarrassing. It's just like human failure. Peter goes to the high, high priest courtyard, I think, and, and, and he starts, they're like, hey, I, you're, you were with Jesus. And, you know, this servant girl. And he's like, no, I wasn't. And then, and then somebody's like, hey, you're a Galilean. I can tell by the way that you talk that you're a newfie. And then he starts. And then he's like, F this. I didn't. Like, for, for reals, this is in the Bible. He's like, he swears. He's like, I'm going to prove to you that I don't go to church. <laughs> and then he hears the rooster crow, and he remembers all of this. And it's just, now he's just crushed, and he's just at the bottom. And what I want to say to you, if you feel like you're just at the bottom, it's okay. It's okay. Quit digging. That's not how you get out. 
when you're down in a pit. The resurrection happens, and uh, the angel is, is in the garden talking to, to one of the women, and he gives her instruction. He says, go tell the disciples. Do you remember what I said? At, uh, you know, go tell the disciples what Jesus said. at the. He said, he's going to meet you in Galilee. He says, go tell the disciples. And then he says something there that I, I want to say to you as well. You can put your name in here. He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. One of the, trans, one of the, the, uh, the apostles, of course, and Peter. Make sure that Peter knows. Tell Peter, because God wants to restore you. He knows you by name. He knows where you've been. It's not a problem. That's not the problem. And go tell Ian. Go tell him. Go tell him. Go to Galilee. And, and Peter goes to Galilee with some of the disciples. This is my favorite part. Verse 3 of John 21, he says, I'm going out fishing. We'll come too, they said. Well, they were fishermen, right? So they went out in the boat but caught nothing all night. This is finally where Peter's just like, I give up. I give up. I can't. I, I'm going to go back to the way of life that I came from. I'm just going to go back to drugs. I'm just going to go back to sleeping around. I'm just going to go back. I'm going to go back to what I know. Because I can't get this life right. I'm just going to go back and just do the other thing. And then he doesn't catch any fish all night. And that's what he used to be good at. I can't even party anymore right. I can't even get it right because once you meet Jesus, you can't go back. It will never satisfy your soul. There is a supernatural life awaiting you. He can't even quit right. He can't even quit right. He failed quitting. At dawn, Jesus is standing on the beach, but his disciples couldn't see who he was. Maybe that's you. He called out, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said this, throw out your net. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. They couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Think of the, the boat like your life. And um, on the left side is where they had been fishing. These are professional fishermen and Jesus is a carpenter. But he's also a doctor. But he's also whoever he wants to be and whoever he, you need him to be is what he He's whoever the universe needs. He is above all of these things. And... We've been casting our, our net on this side of the boat, Christian, and, and we're not catching anything. And we're wondering what's going on. And we're wondering if God has left our nation. And we're wondering what's happening. And Jesus is like, um, throw it on the other side of the boat. Well, we could go out deeper because that's how we met Jesus. And he's like, no, actually, this can happen right where you are. He's like, just throw it on the other side of the boat. He said, he said, he said told me to preach this like this. The boat is the mixing valve. It's your soul. Throw the net on the other side of your soul. Okay, take all of your experiences on this left side of fishing. This is how it used to work for you. This is how even your Christianity up till this point, up till this week, up till this sermon series. This is how we've been living it. He's like, okay, you caught a few fish. Now it's time to get feet in the supernatural. He's like, okay, that's flesh. Come on, soulless Christian. Now it's, here's the mixing valve. Let's get it in the spirit. Let's jam the needle in the spirit and see what I can do. And in the same place, all of a sudden, there's so many fish that he can't catch it. And he realizes this is going to be God. And when the victory comes, it's going to be God. And the rest of my life is just going to be God. And if there's any credit to be had, it's going to be God. Because I know what I'm like on my worst days. And I know what I'm not capable of. And it's nothing supernatural. Would you be willing to take your previous experiences 
with with anything spiritual, if you're coming to Christ right now, you're asking questions, take all of those things, put it in a box this week, because next week I'm going to start preaching the scriptures about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what God, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, because I don't care what you think, I care what he thinks. And what he prepared on this swing in that net over, put all of your experiences, Christ for all, you might have been in church for 30 years, put it in a box and be like, that was yesterday. I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait because the infinite God has an infinite place that he wants me to go. And I'm going to land my feet in the supernatural and then we're going to see what can be done with our nation. Then we're going to see what can be done with our neighbors who are scared to death right now. Then we're going to see when these streets turn to Christ. Then we're going to see what he is capable of. Heavenly Father, show us a new way to fight battles today. And right now we just fight battles by just going to Galilee. We just go to Galilee. It's not a huge uh, accomplishment. We're just going to go to Galilee and await the, the further teaching of the scriptures while you create a vacuum in us, Lord, where we know for sure that we can't do this in our flesh anymore. We, we can't be fleshly Christians. We can't be fleshly church people. We can't rely on the government to save us or health care or <laughs> unemployment. We just can't rely on anything but you to save us and to save our nation, oh God. We come now humbly and we just go to Galilee and we're just going to await the, the coming of the Son of the living God to teach us what we need to know.